Hello, hello, my fellow podcast people. I hope you're doing very, very well on this fine Wednesday morning or whatever day and time it is for you as you're listening to this podcast episode. I am Azarin, the language nerd, at Polyglot Azarin on primarily Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and YouTube. But also secondarily, I would say on Medium, so medium.com slash at Polyglot Azarin, that is my blog, um, on Tumblr, and on Musical.ly. So those are kind of the social media platforms that I use. And welcome to another podcast episode. I'm really, really excited to be recording this one here. The first thing I want to talk about is a life update, but it's also something that applies to potentially a bunch of people listening to this podcast episode. I would even call it a bit of a safety hazard and a safety update, which we weren't fully aware of. Now, one thing that we used to use in our house is a space heater. Those space heaters are essentially like, essentially it's like a little heater. You plug it into the wall or plug it into an outlet and it heats up the room. Like it's a bit of a portable heater, I guess you could call it. Now, one thing that a lot of people know in Canada um, is that space heaters cause a lot, of, a lot of house fires. And we thought, at least my mom and I, we thought that that happened because people would leave this, the space heaters plugged in and then accidentally leave the room or go to sleep or something like that. Although that probably happens or potentially happens, that's not the only risk. And we learned this uh, yesterday. We were having some electrical issues in our house. We had the power go out in three rooms of our house, or rather the lights go out and some outlets go out, but the power was working in the rest of the house. And this was very confusing for us, especially because we had the same issue um, not that long ago, probably about six, seven, eight months ago. And we had it, well, we thought we had it fixed. And so we we're very confused as to why is there a power outage happening in only three rooms of the house and some of the outlets in the house, but not everything. It's very confusing. Like it didn't make any sense to us. And so we had my uncle, we had my grandpa, they came back to my house. Um, they're very, they were confused as well because they were the ones who'd fixed it uh, six, seven, eight months ago when, when we had the issue the first time. And so they were like, wait, what? We thought, we, we thought we'd fixed it. And they know what they're doing with, with, electric, um, with electric wiring, things like that. So they're quite confused. Turns out we figured out what happened. The, the danger with these space heaters is that, and maybe it's different in different countries. I actually don't know, but I can speak to, you know, the ones that we buy here. The danger with space heaters is that they use a lot of power. I think it was something like roughly around 1,000 to 1,200 volts of power. A lot of circuits, let's say most circuits in my city, they will, they are designed or they are made to be able to safely, I guess, hold or their capacity is about 1,400 volts or excuse me, uh, yes, I think it's volts that they said. Now imagine, you have a space heater that uses 1,000 volts, uh, well, I'll call it between 1,000 and 1,200 volts. The total capacity of your circuit is 1,400 volts. So if one device is using 1,000 or 1,200 of that, and you have lights going, you have a television going, you have other things going on the same circuit, it's very easy to overload that one circuit. Especially in our case, one of our circuits is actually, uh, it's basically three major rooms that we use. It's our den, which has our computer, has lights, right? We have our living room, which has a TV, the stereo, the lights, obviously. The, we are using the space heater. We have the kitchen lights. We have a lot of things on one circuit. So when we had the space heater running, you know, it was using a lot of power on a circuit that had many different devices and different electronics 
on it. And so what our, our uncle actually showed us, he found it. There's one of our, our like cable thingies that was actually completely melted and just like just completely distorted and, and, and like just destroyed in a lot of ways. And he's like, man, you guys are lucky not to have had a fire. And so we're like, oh, is that why space heaters are dangerous? And they're like, yeah, that my grandpa was saying, yeah, that's one of the reasons why they can be is because they use so much power. And we're like, oh, we had no idea. And so it made me wonder as to, wow, how are other people using them safely? Like a lot of people use them. My gut says that they don't know. They just don't know how much power they're using. And they don't understand the electronics of or the the the, the electrical engineering aspects of of like how much power the one device is using is how much power and how much power your circuit can handle. I don't think most people know it. And so I was like, wow, that's it's something I think I should talk about. Um, just in case like you are someone who's using space heaters, just be mindful of that. Like how much power is your space heater using and how much power is available on your circuit and how much like, just be aware of that. Cause like, for example, in my house, if I use a space heater in our basement, it's not quite as bad because in our basement, we don't have, we, we don't really have any electronics running. Like we, like the lights are the only thing. Um, no one watches a TV down there. There's no, there's nothing, right? There's just lights. So if I use a space heater down there, it's a heck of a lot safer than up here where we have so many things on the one circuit. So I thought we'd talk about that. Make sure everybody knows. Be very careful of those space heaters. Be educated about it when you're using them or if you're using them. Um, and uh, yeah, that's the kind of personal life update that happened as of really yesterday evening, yesterday night. Um, weather update, really nice today in Calgary. It's warm, sunny, not a single cloud in the sky. It's like 20 something degrees today. Um, so about 72, roughly 72 Fahrenheit. Um, just gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. The rain seems like it's behind us at least for the next few days or so or in the next little while, um, which is nice. So back to flip flop, flip flop and sandal weather, I guess, t-shirts, all of that good stuff. I have a couple other life updates, but I think we'll leave them for potentially another day because I realize I've been going for six minutes already. So let's jump into today's language learning topic. And today's topic is about uh, a misconception that I actually had for a long time. And recently I've realized that, oh, I think I was wrong and there's more to it. And it has to do with your, your accent, right? Now, it's interesting because if you had asked me probably when I was in university, like, Azrin, why do people have an accent? Why, Azrin, why do you not have an accent or have a very minimal, tiniest, itty-bitty accent in the languages that you speak fluently, right? Like, why, why, is it, why is it so good? And I would just say, oh, my pronunciation's amazing. That would be my answer. But the reality is that pronunciation is not the only aspect of a good accent. It's actually, there's a lot to it, which I hadn't really thought about till more recently. Um, or not really that recently. I mean, I guess it's something I should rephrase. It's something that I've known for a while, but it's something that I've only consciously been thinking about um, recently. Like before I would have said, oh yeah, pronunciation is the main thing just without thinking. But now lately I've kind of been putting more conscious thought and I'm like, actually, no, I'm totally wrong on that. Like I need to be more specific. Okay. So Obviously, pronunciation matters. You got to be able to say all the sounds in the alphabet or in the, the, the sound system of the language you are learning, obviously. But you also have to think about other things. You have to think about, okay, you can say all the sounds, but can you apply them in all scenarios? I'll give you an example. Um, if you look at a, a French 
R, or actually even better, let's do a uh, French R is okay, French R, okay? Maybe you are able to say a French R in a word like trois, like the word for three, because if you look at linguistic terms, the, what's happening for that R, it's actually, is it devocalized or non-vocalized? Or anyway, your, vo your vocal cords are not vibrating. I forget the technical word for it, but your vocal cords are not vibrating. But when you say a word like, um, like, uh, regarder, that there's some vibration happening in your vocal cords. It's a different R. So maybe when you're learning the alphabet and everything, you're like, yeah, I can do the French R, but can you do the two French R's that are a little bit different depending on the word? There's nuances like that. Or let's take another one. Let's look at English. You know, maybe you can say, I'm going to the mall, right? But, or I'm, excuse me, let me rephrase that. I'm going to go to the mall, okay? But often when people, native speakers are speaking, at least with a Canadian or American whatever accent, you might say, I'm gonna go to the mall. I'm gonna go to the mall, right? And so that's a different pronunciation than I'm going to go to the mall. I'm gonna go to the mall. I'm going to go to the mall. A little bit different, right? And so that isn't necessarily, it's pronunciation related, but it's having a certain awareness around what sounds are going to be slightly changed when you're speaking in a fluent or in a conversational manner. And that's something that, you know, I think some people don't necessarily put a lot of time or focus on, especially nowadays with the rise. I mean, the, I guess we could say the, the increase of popularity of podcasting. There's more podcasts that are coming out. People are listening to podcasts more often. And a lot of podcasters, not everybody, but let's say many podcasters, they speak clearly. And so what's interesting is that a lot of people will, will choose to listen to podcasts for listening practice, which is fantastic, by the way. But the way that, you know, for example, the way that I speak on a podcast is different than how I might speak with a friend. I'm being mindful and conscious to pronounce my words clearly. I'm being mindful to speak, you know, uh, slowly and try to reduce the ums and the pauses, etc., etc. Now, obviously, I'm a little different. I am someone who goes pretty on the fly and sometimes I get excited and speak quickly and, and whatever. But it's still different than how I'd speak with, you know, a close friend or <clears throat> in like a real world, real life situation. So anyway, it's just something to be very mindful of. Also, you know, even if you have perfect pronunciation, there's other things like volume. How loudly and how, you know, how loudly are you speaking? Like, for example, there are people I know who speak whatever language um, very, very well. They speak with good grammar, good everything, this, that, the other thing. Um, their pronunciation's quite good. It's almost perfect. And yet you still think they have an accent. And it has to do with the fact that they're speaking too quietly. People I know talk too quietly, generally speaking. And so they talk too quietly. And so it almost comes across as lack of confidence. And so the volume management also is important. Also in different cultures and different, um, different cultural backgrounds, there are different volumes of speech and what is considered acceptable and what is considered unacceptable. Like that's just one of those things with different, um, with different languages. Like that's why, um, like it's, it's actually funny. I, um, it, if you talk to a lot of Chinese people, for example, some of them will say like, oh yeah, we do. Sometimes we will talk loud. Sometimes they say that like in Chinese restaurants here in Calgary, like sometimes it's just a little bit louder than if you went to, uh, you know, some, a, like a casual Italian restaurant or something where there's lots of Canadians there. Like it's, it's just a different dynamic. Also, it's, uh, and this is, I guess we could go intonation slash stress, stress slash tone. Wow, that's difficult to say really fast. Intonation slash stress slash tone, okay? Tone, 
doesn't necessarily apply. Um, intonation definitely does, but tone, if it's a tonal language like Mandarin, then tone obviously applies. You got to say things with the right, um, with the right tone. So for example, I saw this, if you go to my Instagram today, if you, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, go to my Instagram, see the most recent post, um, or maybe I posted something else since by the time you're listening to this. So maybe look at the second most recent, it's a post in Mandarin. It's like a meme and it's talking about essentially a little, it's a small tonal difference in Mandarin where if you say it one way, it means I'm sick. If you say it another way, it basically, I don't want to go too vulgar, but it's like bestiality, thinking of doing inappropriate things with a cat. <laughs> so like that obviously is going to affect not only if there's a tonal language, not only will it affect comprehension, but also just your accent in general. Um, and now you got to look at intonation stress that applies to every language. Like, are you, are you like, if you ask a question in English, is the tone of your voice doing the right thing? Are you making the, are you putting the stress on the right parts of the word? Is the, is like, for example, if I say the word English, I have to say English. It is the loud part of the word. It's not English. I can't say I am speaking English. Like that sounds weird. Like I am speaking English sounds really weird. I can't talk like that. That's putting the stress on the wrong parts of the word. Right. And then like, there's a lot of different things. There's speed, there's rhythm. There's so many different aspects to accent right? And why people have an accent. There's so many, I could go forever on this. Like, I think I've ranted on this why a little bit too long as it is. And I'm like, crap, people are gonna stop listening to this. But, <laughs> but it's real, there's a lot to it. And we can go real, real, really deep with this, right? And so I guess what I'm trying to get at is, you know, a lot of people tend to focus their attention on pronunciation when they're trying to improve an accent. And to be perfectly open, you probably should be. That's usually one of the major areas people are struggling with. But you need to understand that pronunciation is not everything. It's actually not. It's, it's like probably, if I take a wild guess, like an ed, not a wild guess, let's say an educated guess, I would say pronunciation's 50%, maybe 50, maybe 60 even, maybe, so let's call it between 50 and 70%. So that's a big percentage. And that probably should be the starting point. But that remaining 30 to 50% is a combination of intonation, stress, speed, rhythm, volume, uh, tone, like, like a lot of different other things, right? So, it's, so I guess at the end of the day, if you are trying to improve your accent, make sure you're taking that holistic view and you got to try and identify what is your, or rather what are your major roadblocks? Is it pronunciation? Is it your intonation? Is it your stress? Is it your volume? Is it the rhythm? And if you don't know, there's ways to figure it out. Um, I would actually talk to, go on a website. I use this website. I've, I keep talking about this website, but go to like italki.com. I talk, I like the letter I talk, I.com. There's free language exchange partners there. Find someone who speaks the language that you were trying to learn natively and just ask them, like talk to them for 15, 20 minutes on Skype and then ask them, hey, what are you noticing with how I speak that causes my accent? Now, what's interesting is that most people probably won't know how to answer you. They're going to give you, like, they're going to try and explain it in the best possible way they can. Unless they have a linguistics background, it's very difficult to listen and identify it. But if you ask five people, let's say you ask five, maybe eight people, five to eight people, you're going to get similar comments and it's going to help you figure out, is it pronunciation? Is it intonation? Is it stress? 
Is it volume? Is it speed? Or is it rhythm? Let's say those are six pillars. There's probably more than that, but those are six that are coming to mind right now. Six different pillars. You're going to figure out what it is that, because they might say something like, oh, like when I was in um, good, excuse me, in Gujarat, um, studying my own language, Gujarati, when I was there, people would tell me, yeah, Azrin, your pronunciation is, ex is really good. It's quite excellent. It's not bad at all. But your tone is wrong. And then I'd be like, what the heck does that mean? My tone is wrong. What the heck does that mean? My, my tone is wrong. And I was like, how can my pronunciation be really on point? But they're like, yeah, we know because your tone is wrong. And, and then you understand they mean like intonation. They mean stress. They mean my volume. They're talking about my speed and rhythm. And they're kind of going more in that direction. And at least it gave me a, 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 a bit of an arrow, a bit of a a direction to look at to figure out what I'm doing wrong. At least to give me a ballpark to play in. So that's one way to do it. I think if you have a good ear yourself, record yourself talking and listen to the recording, you'll hear some of the errors you're making. Um, I would also, it's, if, it's in your, if it's in your budget, maybe hire a teacher for an hour or two and ask them because they might have a better ear for it. Um, I, I am someone who thinks that talking to people outside of you is a good option. Um, it's useful because sometimes it's hard for us to hear our own errors. It's kind of like uh, if you're playing a sport. I always make sport analogies because I think sometimes they, they apply. Um, it's like if you're playing a sport, you know, you it's difficult for you to see what you're doing with your own body, which is why it helps to have a coach or to someone to record you so you can see, you can physically see it. So that's why I like recording yourself or asking someone else. So um, yeah, let's wrap the podcast up there. Really appreciate your guys' attention. And, um, yeah, I guess we will talk later. <laughs> Bye, guys.